0: Welcome to Idaho Speakeasy. I'm Mike Turner with Jared Cosby, and we're on a mission to uncover and share the stories of Idaho's finance entrepreneurs, community leaders, local icons, and those who are impacting our community today in the speakeasy we have stacy ennis stacy just flew back to boise from thailand to kick off her book tour she has co-authored a book called growing influence and she's here to tell us all about it welcome stacy
1: thanks for having me
0: okay so so many things i want to ask you um i this whole idea of you coming back from thailand um, and i know enough to know that you took your family including two small children you have so uh we're gonna come, we're gonna round back to that okay. because that's just too interesting to pass up. But um, but this book that you got coming out now, uh, I understand you. This isn't your first book. You've you write you've written many over the years, mm-hmm. but um, uh, this one is uh, uh, as I understand it's it's a, it's a it's a it's kind of like a you know normally our category is like a business book where you're learning right. about stuff, but um it's written in a way where it's more like it, they call it like a fable or a story mm-hmm. so it's fictional and uh so anyway i um i'm dying to kind of know what what kind of how did you guys come up with the idea of writing in this fashion because it sounds like you had a lot of great ideas you wanted to share but you took it and you put it into fiction and you made yeah. a story about it so yeah why why take that path
1: yeah, so I have to give credit to my co-author Ron. So Ron Price, um, he has been working with leaders for many, many years, for decades, um, and he's come up with these really incredible leadership concepts over over the course of his work with leaders. Um, and so he approached me about turning one of his concepts, kind of this this overarching concept into a book, several years ago. Um, and it kind of got, you know, as, as often happens, it kind of got pushed aside. Um, and we really kind of reinvigorated the project in 2016. And we had this whole book outline done for a traditional nonfiction book, which is right up my alley. That's That's the kind of book I typically write. And um, so we had done all this work to get this, uh, this book outline completed, and we felt really good about it, and then Ron had this, I don't know exactly how he thought of it, but he just kind of had this kind of realization that this was not how he envisioned this book happening, so he brought to me the idea of doing it in, in a fable format, in a story, and Admittedly, at first, I it took me a second to kind of. Um, actually, it probably took me about a day to come fully around to the idea because it was really out of the box. It was really different. It's not like business fables don't exist, but right. frankly, they're a very small part of the market, and they either do really well or they are horrible failures. It's you know, <laughs> it's not like it's not like you can just kind of write an okay. I, it, it's just it's risky, right? Mm-hmm. And so. After he, he told me his idea, and I, I slept on it and came back, and I said, okay, let's do it. And so um, so it really kind of emerged out of it being a normal book, just a traditional nonfiction, and it turned into the story, and then from there, it just really evolved into, this, into these characters that kind of, ha- I feel like I know them, I feel like they're my friends, um, that I've, I've known them for years, um, and they became as real to us as the concepts in the book.
0: Okay yeah and and so and I uh, and I think it's cool cuz a lot of people who might be listening I, it seems like you also pulled in cuz it's fiction you can of go with any direction you want with it. Yeah. Um, and there's some elements, it sounds like, of Boise in the book. You definitely. Know? Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, it takes place in Boise. Yeah. Um, they meet at Slow by Slow Coffee Bar on 8th Street. That's that's kind of where mm-hmm. the two characters meet. Um, she goes into Camel's Back, you know, goes on Jeez. a run there. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of, of Boise infused into the book, which was really fun.
0: Yeah. yeah. And normally, because you, in your own business, you write, it seems like, mostly Nonfiction work mm-hmm. is that is that correct? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean,
1: I've worked on, I've worked with authors who are writing fiction, or I've worked on non or nonfiction books, but I had never written fiction before, other than short, you know, sure. short stories.
0: So, what was this process like? Was it did you find it? that you liked it, or I, yeah, was it harder?
1: Mike, it was the first time I felt like my my brain like found this like sweet spot where everything kind of worked together um i have i have a background in art and and i love sculpture and painting and there's something about that where it's like you're taking something out of your head and you're creating something right and 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 i love writing as well and writing nonfiction is a wonderful experience but when you get to pull those together um into this really unique format and I mean, I should point out, so it's not a novel, right? In a novel, you go deep into the characters and you have a lot of, like, sub-stories going on and, and it's really complicated. In a business fable, the hero is the content. The hero is the, the lessons that you're learning. And so we make a lot of decisions to stay shallow in certain aspects of the characters. But what that forced us to do is to make the two main characters so robust and so interesting. So that was just, it was so fun. Huh. I can't even tell you.
0: yeah. I did this kind of. Uh, I mean, I've read business fables before. Yeah. And uh, and um, the first time I did it was it was quite surprising because I was like, "Wait, what are they doing?" Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, "Where are they going with this?" And then I realized, because I read a fair amount of business books, mm-hmm. is that I'm really into this. And I and because you're wanting the story because it's all based on story, you're like you know you know the lessons are coming and and you're expecting that but at the same time you're kind of like rooting for a character all of a sudden and it kind of takes you through the process and i think it helps people kind of learn the lesson in a more enriching sometimes in a more enriching way
1: yeah yeah, yeah. people remember stories they do right, right?
0: right. yeah i mean, well we'll meet somebody here on on the radio and we'll we'll have a conversation like this and then we'll meet again like a year later. And like the aspect that we'll remember is like that, that one little story nugget that exactly. they, they shared. And so that's sometimes what sticks with us. Uh, so tell us about the premise. Uh, so we talked about this what it is, but maybe who are these two main characters and what's kind of the premise of the this fable that you've created?
1: Sure, so the two main characters, we have Emily, she's a 30-year-old manager in a tech company, and she's been in this company for 10 years, which is pretty atypical, right? You know, often people are moving around to different jobs, but she's been a very loyal employee at this company for 10 years, and she's just feeling stuck. She she cannot, she has this her eye on this promotion that she's not getting, and no matter what she does, it just seems like she keeps getting passed over, and and she just can't pinpoint why. Um, and so she, she's in a point of frustration in her career, even though she, she's a very dedicated worker. And she's, she's there. She shows up. She does her work. Um, and David... David is a retired CEO, so he's he's about 70. He used to be CEO of a global company, and so he's got this amazing leadership experience. And he spends every morning at Slow by Slow Coffee because his wife got tired of him being in the house too much. <laughs> so he brings his tablet and a newspaper, and he sits there and drinks his coffee. And so that's where they meet. They meet um, through a chance, uh, coffee spilling at Slow by Slow. And while they don't initially become friends, eventually a friendship forms between them that that's really, I mean, it is a mentorship for sure. David mentors Emily, but he also learns a lot from her and it's, it's really a, a friendship that develops between them.
0: Hmm. And uh, how much are these two characters resembling you <laughs> and Ron? I mean, how, is that a lot, a little? I think,
1: so it's interesting, part of our process for writing this book, we created extensive uh, characters so Ron has this process that he uses in his leadership coaching um, where people take assessments and he will debrief them on the results so he created assessment results for our characters huh. and particularly Emily we we spent probably at least an hour and a half or so just debriefing Emily's character through this assessment format this is outside of all the other hmm. I did some interviews to study what um, women in that industry and just to really kind of get a feel for that. Um, that said, there's certainly my, my daughter makes a cameo at some point in the book. She's not um, the, the Emily's daughter, but she she makes a cameo. And um, there's some scenes that had happened. I remember one scene, um, Emily's son doesn't sleep very well, and that had happened the night before I was writing. So, <laughs> you know, things like yeah. that, that that showed up to, into the book. And a lot of David's... Um, story is autobiographical for Ron as well. Um, So there's a lot of it in there, but I would say that from a kind of personality and behavior standpoint, those characters are also very different from us.
0: Is there, is there like, I don't know if you can summarize it, but is there like some overall like lessons you're, you know, you're trying to teach with, with, through this process, obviously Ron's got this. You know, this stuff that he's learned over his decades. Um, mm-hmm. what, are, what are some of the things you're hoping some people walk away with in this book?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I would hope people walk away with is the idea that they have the capacity to influence in anywhere. They have the ability to influence in their workplace, in their family, in their communities. And... And that oftentimes when we are trying to grow our leadership or we're trying to what we think of as have more influence, actually, we're focusing on the wrong things. And so if instead we focus on things like character and building our expertise, we'll find that we we naturally generate more influence in those areas of our lives. Um, The other thing that Emily learns is intentionality. So it's really about you know, she's feeling frustrated and it's not that she's not doing a great job at work and it's not like she doesn't, frankly, hasn't earned the promotions, but she has, she has missed out on this kind of level of intention given to kind of her vision for where she wants to go in her work. And, and she learns how to, how to combat that.
0: Cool. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty common issue or theme that a lot of people, Mm -hmm. they kind of feel like they get stuck or they're, don't have that vision, you know, maybe of where they'd they'd want to go or, um, and sometimes that's often when you pick up a book, right? To hopefully get some more clarification of how to move forward, how to get unstuck.
1: Yeah. 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 I think you're, you're so right. And gosh, I think you're a great example of somebody who (laughs) doesn't do that. I mean, you, you've really though, you have a very I feel like your family has a very non-traditional approach to just life in general. You go travel all the time, and you do these things that I think people look at you and they think it's strange. Maybe like, how do you possibly do this this extensive travel? Um, but I think that for me, I don't know. I feel like too often people become complacent, um, and and part of it is because you get really comfortable. You know, you get comfortable in your life, and it's not because things are bad. But there's that kind of internal, like itching for more, you know.
0: Well, I think. Uh, well, thank you for that. But I, I think uh, I think you're right with that uh, sense of people are seeking that comfort, right? Mm-hmm. Initially, that's kind of something you crave, and then when you get some of it, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm. You can be, you know, it can be nice for a while to yeah. be in a comfort zone, and, um, but what happens if you're there too long? It's like you, you can kind of get stuck there, and then you don't know how to get out of this zone that you've created. And everything seems so, so too high of a mountain to climb to get out of it or something. Yeah. And so uh, I think that's what happens to a lot of people is that they kind of, you know, don't even see it coming. or are like, oh, okay, I'm just going to get in this zone. And, and then they realize the walls to get out of this zone are, are much bigger than they anticipated, mm-hmm. um, or they get intimidated by climbing out of them, and and yeah, and there's something about um, you know chasing something. I mean, I mean, it's kind of cliche, I think, to people where they like, uh, oh, it's it's all about the joy, of the climb, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Because sometimes <laughs> it's awful, right? The yeah. struggle is sometimes really, really awful and hard, and and but if it, if you have like. If you can see where you want to go, mm-hmm. clearly, and what that looks like, it's like, uh, I, at least for me, I find that I, it's not as, it's much more, the struggle is much more tolerable. Yeah. And, um, and you still have this drive or this excitement because you can see it's leading somewhere, it's going somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's not just a survival. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's. Growing or moving forward in a direction, and so I think that's a big difference, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I I totally in alignment with you on all that. I think that maybe we have. Um, I I've certainly felt this way. If something's hard, it feels like that that it's that's not the thing I should be doing. But actually, oftentimes the hardest things are the things that bring us the most purpose in our lives, right? So. I, we talked about my family moving recently to Thailand, and it hasn't been easy at all. It's been really <laughs> difficult. However, this is the third country we, we've moved to, and we understand that that's part of it. The first couple months are awful. There, I mean, there's great pieces of it, but it's really hard. After you can get past that, though, that's when it's amazing. And I think that too often we jump ship way too early. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, too early. hmm
0: yeah, and I I commend what you're doing. I mean, I mean the because uh, I understand you're 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 at least planning to like be there for a year or two. Yeah. Um, and uh, how and old are the kids? That's what I got to know. They
1: are three and five.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they're young enough. where are hands full, right? Yes. And um, it adds a whole other elements of tricky making it tricky cuz you're in that third world country and mm-hmm. and uh yeah uh, when they're not self sufficient that's when it's it's <laughs> it, it adds to it a lot yeah. what led up to the decision to even go there and try and try that now you know
1: yeah well so my husband and I um we we'd lived in a couple countries before so we lived in Dominican Republic and then we lived in Vietnam when we tra- when we lived in vietnam we traveled to thailand and we just loved it i mean i i love southeast asia i just feel like it's there's something about it it's hard to put your finger on but it's just i don't know like the pace the people the the climate there's so many just wonderful things about that region and we really fell in love with thailand and um So when I was pregnant with our with our oldest daughter, I remember going on this walk and talking about whether it was possible at all that we could just go then because we just really wanted to go back. And I just decided I wasn't I just wanted to have I wanted, you know, American medical care and, you know, family nearby and stuff. Um, But we we made a commitment that we would do that eventually that we'd go. Um, And she's she's five now she's well five and a half I guess so it's been about six years ago and we really decided we wanted to move there about eight years ago so it's just been a, you know it's that kind of it's just something that we knew we wanted to do eventually and um, we felt like the kids were finally old enough that at least you know my son's a little crazy he's three and he's just a wild kid <laughs> like wild um, but he's not quite white trying to kill himself as much as he used to you know um so we have feel like at least they're a little bit more you know controlled right um but boy that that was a really fun flight Uh over there we have two we have two cats too so (laughs) oh boy yeah
0: (laughs) I can't even imagine that. Our our, our seatmates uh, loved
1: us. I'll tell you what. They were so glad we were there.
0: (laughs) Oh, Oh, I bet. (laughs) Well, maybe they thought, well, our lives aren't that bad. So (laughs) put it in perspective for them.
1: (laughs) I guess that's probably (laughs) accurate.
0: (laughs) I I, I bet people sometimes ask you this question of like, you know, and kind of what I did, but more deeper, like why? Why go put yourself through that? <clears throat> torture as they might see it right mm-hmm. and uh, I get that question a lot too we, um, we don't typically travel for that length of time but mm-hmm. we try to be overseas you know a few months a year and um and it is hard it is I mean I, when I people ask me I'll I'll answer that with that was yeah it's 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 not easy to travel with your family it, and, and travel in general is sometimes hard but it's um but for one, you know, it's also when we take our kids, yeah, it's like way harder than traveling just with my wife and I. But it's also so much more enriching, you know, right. because you have these moments so that you could not get otherwise. Mm-hmm. And then it's also you're just like, it's, there's just something about just the choosing that adventure. It's mm-hmm. like, you get, it's like, wouldn't it be wild and cool and interesting to try that adventure? And yeah, it might. Sucked the whole time, (laughs) but you know. But it might be. But I, I, you know, we also know that if you've done any kind of travel, it's like even like the analogy. One of my favorite analogies is that most people can relate to here in Idaho, even if you've never left. Is that you might have had one camping trip this summer, and it might have rained, and it might have been hard, and you didn't get to your spot, or you had something broke down, or like whatever. It's like. Nothing went to plan, um, but at the end of the summer, you might look back and go, that was the, still the coolest thing we did all summer, Yeah. right? Uh-huh. It was still, like, the most memorable thing, you know, that got you out of that comfort zone or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and so, I mean, that that's what it is. It's kind of this, you're choosing adventure, and even though it might be hard, and there might be mosquitoes, and there might be whatever that comes away, it's like there's something about taking it on i don't know i i always get excited in fact just like you said i, I early on when my kids were born i just decided i wanted to do that mm-hmm. and and part because of that feeling but also like it'd be cool to share that with my kids yeah. and expose them to unique things but it's it's kind of like a calling of some kind but I, but I think you don't have to go overseas to get it right definitely right it's but it is getting out of your comfort zone it might be a new job or a new career mm-hmm. or, um, a new relationship mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. It can be so many different things. Um, learning to ride a motorbike, you know, or whatever, you know, something, you know, yeah. different, but it's like, uh, out of your comfort zone kind of thing. it creates this thrill. Um, anyway. Yeah. So that's, and, and it seems like, you know, if you're telling me those Thailand, it's like, you it's, that's what it is it's this adventure but you know it's it's hard to
1: yeah know? well yeah it is really hard when you move to a new country it just uh. is and I, I we've had our maybe like a little bit more bumps than expected um, <laughs> I think I told you that our we moved into a house that was infested with bats in the attic oh, we did, gosh. you know we didn't know this and um, you know, we've had a lot of hospital visits, those types of things. But
0: Is that related to the bats? No,
1: no, no, no. They were then? in the attic. I think we were we were totally sanctioned off from them, but uh, we could hear them when uh, we were going yeah. to sleep at night. Oh, it's just... Uh, yeah. You were, Lucky, yeah, you weren't sleeping. No. Yeah. Luckily, bats are my daughter's favorite animal. So oh, she oh. was really excited about our pet bats. So, oh. you know, there's that at That's least. That's
0: true. I find um, that sometimes the kids are way more adjusting than we are. <laughs> Yeah. Um, in such, you know, crazy times yeah. like that.
1: And they mostly lived right above her room. We watched them fly out. We watched like it to go hunt at night and she just thought it was the coolest thing. So, you know, whatever <laughs> helps her sleep at night. I wasn't sleeping as well as she was, but yeah. yeah, we've definitely had a lot of bumps. I think the one thing I really value about, um, Even, you know, I was thinking about this on my way back, um, which we've only been there a couple of months. And so this is really soon for me to come back already. But um, I noticed I, I was in Vietnam last week for work. And so that was very different. They're totally different countries. And then, you know, I had a long layover in South Korea. I didn't leave the airport. I ha- I've been to South Korea before, but I, you know, even just the airport's so different than, you know, Phuket or something. And, um, and then I got into Seattle, and I had a, another very long layover in Seattle. And, and then our American airports are totally different. Seattle's different than Atlanta. Or, and right. so you you have this, you're kind of forced into this constant um engagement with things because it's different. And so I feel like my, um, like my brain is awake a lot more than it was before. It's forcing me to Mm. be more engaged in kind of everyday life. Um, Whereas I even noticed driving down the road here now driving in Phuket, I'm very aware when I'm driving there. It's, it's, Compared to here, it's crazy. Yes. I don't feel like it's that crazy anymore. But when I first drove right. there, it was terrifying. Um, and uh, so when I'm, I'm driving there, I'm very aware. I noticed even driving here, I just like zone out, zone out yeah. so easily because mm-hmm. it's so comfortable. Mm. And so I'm, I just feel like I'm not being, you know, being in the place that I know. It's very easy for me to just kind of disconnect from my surroundings, whereas I can't do that right. when I'm out.
0: I think a lot of people who might be listening might be asking the question or wanting us to ask the question like so how can you be gone for so long like what how does your work allow such things so let's talk about that because that's kind of a new uh, evolution of what people are able to do with technology and so maybe speak on that a bit
1: Sure. Yeah. So my work is completely mobile and I've, I intentionally built my business in a way that most of my clients aren't actually in Idaho. So even though I was here for quite a while, most of my clients were gone.
0: It didn't change. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I was traveling anyway. I was traveling, you know, all over the country to work with people. And, and I, I, you know, it was a leap to leave the country and hope that people still would want to work with me. I didn't know for sure. Um, but what was what's been cool is that I actually already have a, a client in Southeast Asia. So that's been really fun. I I have somebody that's an hour and a half from me by plane. And so those things kind of just, you know, come about, I think, when you take risk. But, you know, my my work is mobile. I write books. I do consulting. I train and speak. Um, and all that stuff was traveling anyway. So we thought, I mean, it is easier to travel from Boise, but we thought if, you know, we can do it, why wouldn't we go do it? The kids are at a good age for us to go kind of be wherever we want to in the world. So it just felt like a really good time for us.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I think, uh, I think we'll see more and more people as the world that we live in, the digital world that we live in continue to see more people. I mean, have the ability to, whether they do or not, it's up to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even if it's not to Thailand, it's just to Arizona in the wintertime because it's warmer yeah. or whatever. It's like that is becoming such more uh, of a possibility um, with the how people work these days. Mm-hmm. Do, you yeah. have, do you have to work United States hours then? Or how do you how do you balance that?
1: No, I mean... I the, cha- the, the most challenging thing right now is um, I'm having to reconfigure my schedule. So, you know, here I normally just worked 730 to my usually I was working kind of long days, so maybe six. Um, and but now because all of my clients are on this 13 hour difference, you know, depends on where they are in the country. But mm-hmm. here it's 13 hours. I work. You know, I work until I try to pick my kids up from school and then I take this big, long break and then I have calls at night. Um, and every so often I have to get up really early for a call, but I try not to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so my my schedule has changed most of my, and now that I have a client in Southeast Asia, that's awesome because we're on the same time zone, right. which is so great. <laughs> um But no, you know, most of my work is independent. If I, if I come back, like in November, I'm speaking at a conference, I come back a couple of days ahead of time and adjust to the yeah. time oh, zone. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I'm on their time
0: after that. Gotcha. So yeah. And, and uh so let's talk a little bit about, um well, I mean, you you said you're going to come back and do some speaking, because I know you, you're you involved with some leadership, women's mm-hmm. leadership stuff. Tell us a little bit what's going, what you're doing with oh, that.
1: Oh, yeah, I'd love to. So um, actually next week I'll be in Seattle... Um, so the books, the book launched yesterday. Mm-hmm. We have our launch celebration tomorrow here in Boise, um, and then isn't
0: we, that slow by slow?
1: Yeah, it's a yeah. slow by That's slow so, where so the book fitty. takes place. Yeah, makes yeah sense. and it's actually a community <laughs> event, so oh. it's free and open to the public from three to six this Friday tomorrow. Okay, um, and the and so then we're doing another one in Seattle on Monday. We're doing a signing at Barnes and Noble, and then we're doing a book launch celebration. And then later in the week, um, we have a next level women leaders training and um, next level women leaders is a uh, a leadership platform training. So our our vision for this is that there's a lot of leadership training out there. So they teach you management strategies or, you know, how to um, how to have a one on one with an employee or, you know, important stuff. Right. But there's lots of resources out there for that. What we actually train on is how you show up as a leader. And for women, we have a unique challenge in the workplace in that we don't have you know, hundreds of years of role models to show us what it looks like, it sounds like to be a leader. Right. Mm-hmm. So we are looking at men who have come before us typically. If we're lucky, we have a woman mentor. Um, men wear different clothes. They talk differently than us. They feel differently than us a lot of the time. Um, and so our training is all about internal and external alignment so that you show up in as your kind of full self as a leader. So we do. Mm. Um, Vision and values. Um, I do professional storytelling, so it's focusing on really clarifying mm-hmm. who you are, what matters to you, and communicating that. We do public speaking, so we have a really amazing um, public speaking coach that trains there. And then we have a wardrobe stylist, so we oh, have nice. a lot of fun with that. Um, there may be some champagne involved. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's really, we're, we're trying to, we notice this gap that, mm. um, that women leaders were not getting... The kind of this, this training, this space to kind of figure out who they are and and how to advance in their careers. So, yeah, that's happening next week in Seattle. We have our, we do a couple a year, and so
0: because mm. you've done one in Boise too. We've done right? a couple here. Yeah, 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 very cool.
1: Yeah, it's been um, pretty amazing. I think the women that I work with as part of Next Level are just incredible. I feel very grateful to to get to work with them.
0: So great. Yeah. And then um didn't you do a TED talk? Oh, well, yeah, yeah let's talk I did a TEDx Boise. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um the the talk was called How to How to Raise Brave Kids. Mm. Um and uh that was that was a lot of fun that process. Um the I really enjoyed I dug into a lot of research for that talk. And really the main it's interesting because this this book is about in growing influence is about a core theme is intention, being intentional. And that's the same idea with raising brave kids is that we have to intentionally integrate bravery education into our parenting, you mm-hmm. know, and much like, you know, you take your kids all over the world and they're learning to be courageous by doing all this weird stuff. Um, there are smaller smaller ways that we can do that every day, just by, you know, encouraging your kid to try a new food or go into a dark room and turn off a light or, you know, a lot of different things that, that are much smaller scale, um, acts of micro bravery that yeah. they can, they can learn to be really courageous.
0: And, I love yeah. that concept of that. Yeah, uh, I'll have to watch that. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. 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 yeah no, I mean, and, um, now, as you say that I'm trying to think about all the times I've tried to as a parent (laughs) do that and sometimes sometimes i'm successful i think most times i crash and burn um (laughs) but uh but i like the intent of Mm -hmm. trying to to teach that Mm -hmm. right that's what we do as parents so like we're at least trying to point them in the right direction Right. right um how did you come up onto that topic or what led you to down that path of ending up on a TEDx
1: yeah stage. you know honestly I think it was um a lot of it was having a, a boy and not really I feel like I knew how to I so I am not a naturally courageous person that is not I'm actually a natural naturally fearful person so to being brave and doing things that I never would have thought of doing you know 15 years ago or 10 years ago or whatever um that has been an effort. It's been a very deliberate choice that I've made to, to change it's
0: going against your g- genetics exactly. essentially and trying to you know change it
1: exactly yeah. exactly. So I felt like having a daughter i I knew how to communicate with her. I knew how to how to kind of raise raise her differently than not that not that my parents raised me a certain way, but just that I grew up a certain way that I didn't I don't I feel like I missed out on a lot because I was so fearful of so many things. So I felt like I knew how to how to like I knew how to deal with a girl and then and then I had my son and it was really this kind of like oh okay so is it is it exactly the same like do I need to use some different strategies with him and actually the the research uncovered that we parent very differently with boys and girls Mm -hmm. and and we do it in ways we actually start really at infancy we'll we'll hold our our baby girls more quickly, we'll we'll grab them quickly if they're if they're crying more so than we will, baby boys. And we use um, we use different language in the way we communicate with our boys and our girls from very, very young ages. Mm-hmm. And so our our little kids, they're being conditioned from, you know, toddlerhood to be, you know, a, a, a brave man or a fearful girl and those are seen as actually good things in our society whereas if we could maybe bring it more to the middle and, and you know have more balanced children wouldn't that be better for all of us right. you know
0: and I, you're right I mean I think I think it's natural especially being you'd be a very attentive parent um, and also be overprotective right which can, mm-hmm. can make them more fearful accidentally on trying new things or taking on a new endeavor or something like that, and uh, I found myself doing that a lot mm, with my girls. Mm-hmm. I'm like, always because was like, yeah, you don't want to do that, you're gonna <laughs> get hurt, and then we're gonna have to go to the emergency room. Yeah, you're thinking you know, about like, yourself, I, right? Exactly, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, that's not a good idea, right? I mean, like the first time they started like cutting things with like a knife, I'm like, this is. <laughs> You know, I'm, I got I got a paper to write tonight. Like I don't think this is a great night for this, you know. <laughs> but it's but it's uh, so that was me holding the back, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think we do that um, without just because we love them. Yeah, and so I think I love that idea of being aware of at least trying to instill that. Uh, bravery in our kids. I mm-hmm. think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, and I think especially as a as a dad, there's so much that you can be very intentional about in the way that you speak to your children and the kind of words that you use. Um, they, you know, one of the things that the research uncovered is that um, we tend to, if a boy uh, encounters a fearful situation, let's say like a dog barking at him, and he gets scared. Um, we praise him on how he dealt with it. So whatever action he took that we find praiseworthy, we'll praise him. Oh, that was really good. You didn't run away. Um, good job. Whereas a girl, we're more likely to, to comfort her. I'm so sorry you felt scared. Um how are you doing and not that neither of those are bad it's right. just that they're imbalanced right, right? Mm. and so just developing that awareness in how we're in how we're really speaking to our kids what words we're using if we can actually work in courageous bold brave into praise that we give our children think about how that shifts their self view you know
0: right that's yeah i like that Wow, and so um, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with <laughs> Stacey Ennis. Um, she is the co-author of the book. This came out Growing Influence with Ron Price and uh, she's on her, her book tour. She's just back from Thailand where she moved her family, you know, you know, for a while and to go on some great adventure with them. And so she's back here in Boise. This book is takes place in Boise. A lot of it is at Slow by Slow Coffee um, and so so Stacy, um you've written this book, you know, so the, the always the next question is like, well, so what's next for you? Like what's what do you hope to go from here? Do you wanna do another book like this? Is this something that you know, do you like this style and this format? Or do you what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, you know, I would really love to write more of a kind of personal narrative um style book about travel and kind of just a different way of, of living. Hmm. Um you know, your your uh, your family is a great example of kind of creating pieces that are reflective of the type of life you're living. And your wife writes great humor books, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not very funny with my writing, <laughs> but um, I would love to write something that is more personal to me and my experience, my family's experience. So that's definitely on, that's been in the back of my mind for a long time, but I mm-hmm. think we have much more material to work from Yes. now that we've got the bats and the yes. hospital oh, visits. Oh, yeah. and it all writes itself. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, so that's a lot of fun. We've got a lot of exciting travel coming up um part of our visa situation in Thailand we have to leave every 90 days so we go to a new country every 90 days uh. so so it's kind of good it pushes us to go out and see different places in the world um planning you know we plan to go to Singapore Vietnam uh, we'll go to Switzerland next spring mm. um because I have a good friend there and just stuff like that I think one of the commitments I made when we moved um my career has always been kind of the the big thing focus in our family and and one of my commitments with this move is that our our life our travel is going to be the big focus for Mm -hmm. our family even though i'm still here you know on a three-week trip away from my family so i i recognize that that's not quite in alignment but um we are going to come out of this heavier travel period and, and really get to experience that as a family so we're looking forward to that and you're gonna be there
0: yes in yeah, january yes, yes that's right we're very excited yes yeah we're heading there soon well <laughs> I want to thank you, Stacy, for coming in um, and uh, sharing with us about this great book you have coming out that's out now, "Growing Influence." Uh, you mentioned that you're gonna be for pe- you know people are gonna be uh, yeah you're gonna be at Slow by Slow tomorrow. So. Yes, three to six. Yeah. So and then um, and then as far as if you want to learn more about what's going on, you know, with you and some of the things we talked about, it's com, right? Yep cool right. yep and all right well thanks for so much coming thanks, in Stacey. Thank you, um, both. and making time for us and your short stay here in boise and good luck back in thailand for your continued stay there thanks so. for
1: having me